Welcome back to the podcast for the 2023 season. Today, coming up on the podcast, we have Charlie Protect. He is the guy from Terra Firma. No doubt you've seen him on Instagram cooking up a storm out in the fields. He is quite an amazing human being. Today's podcast is brought to you by Green Endeavor, where they aim to create sustainable communities where people are educated, empowered, and inspired by the joy of real food. Um, this is the company that owns Suncoast Fresh and Fruitlink. Um, also brought to you by Chef Notepad. Uh, these guys have a wonderful system that helps you keep your food costs real and make sure that you have a restaurant that's profitable and wonderful. Uh, check out their page at chefnotepad.com.au. So let's get into this with Charlie. He is a fantastic person and he has a wonderful story and you're going to learn lots about how to cook over the flames and lots more. Sit tight. So something we also spoke about the other day was the using all the senses, like the experience that you're giving your customers. They they get to use the, the feel the heat. They get to smell the, the food cooking and also the outside senses of whether it be the gum trees or the or the or the the area that you're in and that there's wildlife, there's birds flying by that, you know. Um, you've sort of got what every restaurant has been trying to do simply by going back to basics. That must be an amazing experience for your guests. It is an amazing experience for the guests, but it's also an amazing experience as a chef, you know? Like, so of course, when you eat, you eat with your senses. Like even when you're going to the restaurant, the first thing you see is the dish, like as it comes, as it's plated, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's your first experience. Well, it's the same for terra firma experience. People will see the structure, the meat hanging, the vegetables cooking, the fire. Then you've got the heat, you've got the smell, the smoke coming to their to their nose. And then <clears throat> and then of course you've got the taste that yeah. comes at the end. So it's sort of an evolutive experience that gets better and better and better as the as the cooking process goes on i love it i love it i actually can't wait a little bit later on the podcast uh, i'm going to talk about technique with you a little bit so you can tell us a little bit about that but let's dive back into the past of your childhood you've obviously got a heavy accent there we want to learn about where you came from and what inspired as a child that might have ended up making you be where you are here on the other side of the world. Let's go back to your childhood. Well, let's go back to my childhood. So what I, I always have this sort of feeling that I am a bit, uh, I've got this imposter syndrome. I'm not a chef. That's what I feel like some but days. everyone can cook. That's everyone everyone can cook, but <laughs> I haven't done any cooking school or like chef school. I am a self-taught chef. So everything that I've, I've done in the past, in my previous restaurants or with Terra Firma is driven by passion. Passion of the produce, passion of cooking. And that all goes back to my memories. My memories, my, seeing my mom cooking, uh, growing vegetable with my great, great father. So I had the chance to know him for until I was 12. 
he taught me how to grow vegetable. He had all these beautiful, like, veggie, organic veggie patch, chook. It was like growing peach and chicken. Like, we had, like, I don't know how many, probably 12 or 15 different apple trees, pears, plums, like walnuts, uh, figs. Uh, it was fully self like self like sustainable in his garden and he was growing potatoes i mean absolutely everything and i've got all these memories like completely stuck you know in my brain and that's what sort of like drove me to become a chef at some stage like and um i've only been a chef for the last just 10 years so I am 36. Some chefs started chefing when they were 16. I started chefing on the late kind mm. of thing and then driven by by my passion. One day I always been working in the hospitality industry. I even owned a restaurant just before before I was a chef. Um, I was more working on the floor and uh, and that's how I came to one day waking up saying, well, don't want to work in the floor anymore. I want to be a chef. So you had a restaurant in France? Yeah, Paris. I had a yeah, I had a restaurant in Paris, um, where I am born. Um, for the bit of piece of history, um, my family uh, come from the west coast of France, so just on the Brittany Atlantic coast. Um, this is where I sort of like grew up every weekend summer holidays every holidays basically we would visit my grandfather and i'd go fishing i'd go harvesting shellfish seafood in the rocks and i would go hunting shooting with my dad my mom was would just like prepping amazing meal and like you know terrine wild game was like what i used to go shooting with my dad when i was like when i was 10 like he used to like, you know, so I've always been sort of like growing and I had the chance to like sort of involve when I was a child into a food culture, uh, an amazing food culture where I learned so much, like from a very young age. Um, and it I, sounds like the perfect education system for the whole world because you're working out portions and there's mathematics in that, there's... There's, there's, there's everything. It sounds, like, it sounds like you've actually been really spoiled, man. I've been very spoiled, and, and and I am very conscious that I had a very spoiled um, childhood. And my mission today is to pass on um, this passion, knowledge, and share it with just as much people as I can, and, and just maybe create. Um, to new people, um, this passion and um, yeah, I think that's that. That's what cooking is all about, and and, and knowledge. It's it's, wow. it's it's meant to be passed on. You know? Oh, I, I you know that inspires me a lot because I think uh, if you can't pass on stuff, then you know you you, you die with the the information. It's just it's just not fair, and uh, I think it's really lovely to hear that you want to pass on. You know whether it be the, the cooking techniques that you're learning um you know the history about how your family grew things like that to me preserving fermenting all the things that your mother yeah. uh, and your father were doing absolutely what an absolute um great thing for you to do um now i wanted to um quickly talk about 
um, more of a history because I think it's actually really, really interesting. But so you had a restaurant in Paris and you're on the floor. What kind of restaurant was this? We need to dive into this just a okay, little bit let, before we go too far forward because let's dive in. this so, is crucial. Oh, yeah. It's me again. Um, so I had I opened my first restaurant when I was 24. Um and it was a fine dining, fine dining restaurant. I had a ma- an amazing chef that used to work at the Fat Dog with Eston Blumenthal. And I developed a concept. It was like, so 12 years ago, it was like the very beginning of the trend of like small portions. So it was like French fine dining using amazing ingredients with a little sort of Japanese influences into it. Um, but all the menu would be served into small portions. So a table of four could order pretty much the whole menu and share it. So mm. it was all, already 12 years ago mm. about sharing. Yeah. Sharing. Yeah, okay. So that sort of just came into what you're doing today. So I think there's been like some sort of like a, a natural um, evolution for me. And then when I moved to Australia. Which was, Why did you move to Australia? Well, because I met an Australian girl eight years ago i was living in paris got married we're not there we're not together anymore but we moved to australia eight years ago i think the movie's called green card is it yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got married in france so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> not even okay. um but um and she was uh, originally from yamba so we moved to oh, yeah. yamba northern new south well and that's where i open my first restaurant in Australia. Wow. What was that called? It's called The French Pantry. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, lovely little restaurant, um, very focused on local produce. I would get my seafood off the trawlers. I had like local fishermen dropping fish at the restaurant, like was working like very locally. It was like a little pig producers that would like drop one carcass like every mm. week and I would break break it down and just like work through all the different cuts like during the week so basically one customer that had like a the belly like maybe in the middle of the service don't have any more belly and would go into like the rack you know and i would go through the whole base like through Mm. the week and um so it was like an amazing little restaurant where I, i used to sort of event learn a lot about chefing as i said earlier i'm a completely self-taught chef so when i start running my own kitchen my own restaurant i would learn everything from youtube video i want to do this i want to do that how do you break down a pig well i've never done it before okay no problem let's go watch a video and i would spend like half an hour just watching video and i have the pig on my bench and i was like okay like, let's do it you know and then <laughs> You do one, you do two, and then, well, you know how to do it. You know, we, we, we're lucky to be like in 2023 and have like so much sort of information out there and mm. you can learn whatever you want off um, social media, Google, whatever platform really. Uh, so I guess if you're passionate, well, you can just do whatever you want. I, I was doing all my cured meat in the restaurants, like out of the pig. I was doing like also duck prosciutto. It's something that was super popular. Like you can find that everywhere in France. And when I was in Australia, I was very sad. It's like no duck prosciutto. And I was <laughs> like, well, let's make some. You know, <laughs> like and, and, and it's just um, and that's basically how I sort of involved into my chef. 
uh, role and, 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 and yeah, sort of skills is by just teaching myself what I wanted to learn and what I wanted to do. And after six months of opening this restaurant, got awarded one chef hat by the Australian Good Food Guide, which was like a massive recognition. I couldn't even believe it. Like I thought I was just made a mistake, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to pinch myself during two weeks and just like, <laughs> check on their website if I still had the chef hat. Like, <laughs> I was See, like, you I were stupid it. over this stuff before. <laughs> I had to drag you back to talk about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, maybe they did a mistake. Like, they're going to read just that. And Do they know I'm not a chef? Am I an imposter? <laughs> yeah, no, no, for me, it was just like... But there's uh, lots of... There's lots, like Matt Stone's on the qualified chef. There's, there's heaps of yeah, high profile. I, and I think it actually is a good thing because you're coming from a different perspective. Complete. Sometimes when you're trained or have some regimented rules following thing, you actually, it can be a bad thing with food. And I think it keeps everything the same, which is important for, you know, maybe lots of reasons. But uh, at the same time, I think coming from a different approach, particularly with the home style that you've learned from your family and probably just the culture of, you know, French people, um, is the perception that you all love food and can all cook like crazy chefs. But um, I know that's not quite the case, but... Um, having that different way of learning, I think, is um, absolutely beautiful. And, it, and it's just that twist on what is different uh, when you go to a, have a restaurant experience. And as we were talking about before, it's more than just the food. Uh, it's the experience. So um, sounds like I can understand now how this is all sort of coming together. So beautiful restaurant in, in, in Yamba. You're checking the website to make sure you still got the hat. <laughs> what happens after this? Where, where did you go from? You must have been fishing and surfing and yeah, living the fishing, dream. fishing, surfing, living the dream. Um, so I've been running that restaurant for three years and then COVID happened. Um, you know, like, and being in... Yeah, and being in a... Small little coastal town during like uh, a pandemic is just not um, ideal. So we had to <clears throat> close the restaurant and um, took a little break of uh, chefing. It was just becoming like a bit of a, there was a bit going on and had to take a break of chefing for six months and reassess what I wanted to do exactly. And uh, we move up to Sunshine Coast. Love this area. I've been holidaying a couple of times, and every time I would come out, I'm like, wow, I could see myself like mm. living, living there. <laughs> and um, and I started like a consulting and private chefing business at the time. The first like six months, six months first year, uh, moved to the Sunshine Coast. It was great, like doing my thing, little fine dining experience in great uh, houses all around the coast. But I always had this idea of cooking over fire, you know, like it's always been something that I had like in the back of my mind. I just couldn't really figure where, when and how I wanted to do it. And I made a bit of a plan and uh, I'm very spontaneous kind of guy. So... If I want to do something, one day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say, okay, I'm doing it. And that's exactly what happened. One morning <laughs> I woke up and I was like, well, I'm doing it. And I call a welder and I start like documenting myself about like 
um, Argentinian style of cooking, asado, and um, and sort of like dive dove a little bit into this culture and, and, and back, in, back into YouTube. Back into YouTube, <laughs> back into like, uh, yeah, all sort of platform to sort of uh, learn and document myself. And I found a very interesting um, sort of similarity. So what I do by cooking over fire is very inspired from the asado culture in South America in Argentina, right? So they cook over fire and they hang all cuts of meat. Uh, using the radiant heat of the fire pit, but it's also a social event. Um, so asado culture come from the gaucho culture, which are the gauchos or the Argentinian cowboy, the cattlemen's. And um, so I started looking at looking at it like with a bit of perspective, and I was like, well, Argentina, Australia, vast country, beautiful landscape, cattle farming focus, you know. Um, Argentinian asado, social event, people gathering, sharing food, enjoying a moment. And I'm like, well, that reminds me what it used to be back in France, you know, like from as far as I remember, like we spent so many hours, like family cooking and over fire as well, like my dad. Like we cook like potatoes in ashes and like wood grill like in the country house like grilling big tamaluk steak in the fireplace in the living room and and grill fish seafood and vegetables every single day during the holidays <clears throat> and um so i found a similarity in the way asado is a social way of connecting around food with my french background which food sort of like connect everyone and so this is how I sort of link Australia, Argentina, France and my vision of cooking and my wish to cook over fire and sort of develop um, a different experience, an immersive experience that brings people back in time to real, to real connection and to real food in a way. So that's how Terra Firma was born. <laughs> That's really inspiring, man. That's really inspiring. So I've um, heard lots of wonderful things, and it's such a visual uh, spectacular on the Terra Firma Instagram. And um, I, I, yeah, I, I get stuck on it, actually, just watching what you're doing. I think that, I don't know what it is, but there's some drawing to the cooking outdoors uh, over fire, which is so primal that I'm, I just have this weird addiction to it that I'm... Yeah, I just want to go back in time. It's like there's a little part of everyone that wants to live in the bush, not quite by yourself, but with a you know just a few yeah. people yeah. and have a fire and and be sustainable in that sort of way that you're talking about. So, um, yeah, your page lets lots of people um, almost live through what you're doing. Um, I, I I imagine it's a lot less glamorous than what it looks on the on what you're filming well, there is yeah there and, is a behind uh, when, you, the when, you, when you add the music in the background <laughs> and the and the and the and the reels it's boom 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 it looks like it happens in 30 seconds oh, please yeah. tell me a day in the life of preparing for one of your beautiful events through the catering business terra firma well first of all there's a lot of logistic behind so about like sourcing produce getting the produce 
to the location where I go. There's a lot of kilometers driven on the road. <laughs> like <laughs> we're talking earlier this morning, last week I was down in Dorigo, so in New South Wales, Kofsarbor inland, uh, an hour inland, catering for a regenerative farming conference for beef farmers. So I was catering for 250 people, let me jump in there. So they're, they're regenerating the land that the cattle walk on. And exactly. Wow, what a privilege. 200 so people, tell me 200 about. people, lots of big beef corporations were present there. And, um, that would have been an RM Williams meeting, wouldn't it? So I had like a, a pretty sharp public on this one, yeah, cooking yeah, yeah. beef, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I had to get this right. <laughs> but the beautiful thing, so it's been like, months of logistics sourcing my wood locally because I burn like three cubic meters of wood so I can't really travel with three cubic meters plus my all my gear my equipment that are pretty heavy duties your whole kitchen yeah you have to my, bring pretty much kitchen. my whole kitchen yes. right um because that's what we do we mm. set up the kitchen wherever we go completely off grid so but it's been beautiful to connect with the local uh, beef farmers that's been done an amazing job that connected me with another farmer that were growing pumpkins and all sort of vegetable that I've been using for my menu and that connect me with another farmer that was growing organic chicken and then this whole like network community got together just to provide me all the produce for this event and I get I'm very lucky um even though it's a lot of work and lots of logistic in the back end, but just to connect with amazing people that are doing amazing things, you know? And, uh, and, and so even though it's very hard and we've been, so it's seven and a half hours drive from the Sunshine Coast, right? And a bit of highway, lots of windy road to get up to the mountain range. And um, I left the coast, it was 33 degrees arrived there in the morning was nine degrees so <laughs> full, full switch in the <laughs> welcome to australia <laughs> yeah, no, well, but i loved it you know and especially cooking over fire i was very happy to walk up with nine degrees instead of 33 um so but it's just this diversity of people season produce and i think that's why i love so much australia as well as a chef it's just because like within seven hours, like you're in a completely different like area, landscape, uh, like weather, people, farming industry. It's just, um, so I'm very lucky to, it's a hard work, but I feel very grateful every day to do what I do. And I wouldn't go back to any kitchen or any sort of restaurant. What I like about it and what I, f I find it must be hard sometimes to put into a, a work uh, sort of situation and uh, we spoke about this the other day but you know like it is a, it is a it's like a couple of days of work obviously if it's three days yeah right. one function one but this one would be like five days like we've got one day one yeah one day packing prepping one day travel one day prepping setting up the fire pit setting up the outdoor kitchen and prepping uh prepping the ingredients so we do not prep anything in advance except for big event where we trust all the chicken. I had 50 chicken cooking. So like, like putting yeah. all the like 
project wine and wires. So yeah. in the morning when we start at six, we're actually lighting the fire. Yeah. And, and, and that's sort of like minimize the stress on the day. There's so much variable you have to deal with, like yeah. I mean, fire. Wood, and you reach wood. out to local people to give you a hand with that, so you're not carting all your staff everywhere. I know no, I've got what I call an A team. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a couple of chefs that sort of like travel around with me in all sort of adventures and locations. Yeah. Uh, and then I reach out to local networks to yeah, get yeah. people on. So and if I, people are interested, they should contact you on your Instagram. Huh, if they 100%. Ever want to put their hand 100%. Up. No worries. Um, wow, it's um, setting up, then you're cooking, then you're doing the bat, then there's the big clean up. Big clean up, and then you're, driving back. Yeah, the clean up. So, sort of, you got to get the land back to as good as what it was when you got there. Yeah, well, we've got very, very small impact. I yeah. mean, like, we're talking about like um, a few trestle tables. Um, we don't use electricity. Uh, so, basically, the, the only impact is where the fire pit was. Which and we do not burn any charcoal or process yeah. wood. It's only hardwood timber, so the grass will regrow after us. So we've got a very very small impact. And so from a end, sustainable point of view, I think we're hundred percent sustainable yeah. on, on on the way on the way we cater and on the way we impact on on the on the land and on the planet. Good yeah. Oh, nice. Um, so that's terra firma and that's how that works and you do catering events from like I think you said to me earlier from like 40 people to 4 million people was it or how many <laughs> 4 yeah, so million so your no, minimum your yeah. minimum is like 40 isn't it minimum is 40 and um, we did a big event um, in Brisbane in Brookfield last year with 600 people this year it's 800 did you say or hopefully and or maybe this year we yeah Glenn and I are going to come over targeting, target, targeting 800 people we're yeah. going to think we're cooking but you're going to hand us a shovel and we'll be moving yeah, yeah. with the photos yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, beautiful uh, what's the other one you have you have terra firma and feast over fire what's the feast over fire so tell, tell us about feast over fire so feast over fire is the, um, the newborn project so um Terra Firma is the catering uh, part of the activity and I've been running this last year a lot of workshop. Um, three to four every sort of uh, month. Um, it's really depend on my event calendar, really, but it's been really, really popular. And, um, and to get back to what we were saying, I've got groups of between like 20 to 25 people. Most of these um, people come from Brisbane. So they drive two hours um, to get in the bush and mm-hmm. then and have a terra firma experience. Where, Where, whereabouts in the bush do they drive to? Uh, it's in uh, Kutharaba, so uh, Noosa Interland on oh, yeah, a yeah. private property. Yeah. And uh, I host this workshop. It's a very simple setup. I've got a fire pit few star pickets and big logs around and I've got my trestle table, my ski, my producer on arrive at nine o'clock and um, we start the fire. Uh, we run through all the minimal gear that we need to sort of start cooking and hang produce. So we cook all the vegetables around the fire pit, in the coals, we grill, we hang the meat, we nail the fish on the wooden plank and use the radiant heat and... And they sort of start 
pick it in like start pi- yeah, yeah start pick it so we do all sort of like landscaping job landscaping job before we start cooking yeah, um, yeah. so this is a class to learn to do what you do this is a class to so learn. this is a part of that whole giving back and teaching exactly and, and sharing and sharing, sharing yeah. so it's it's uh, and and so i've got and the audience of that class is so i've got couple i've got people that owns property but i also have like People that just live in Brisbane, that have a little backyard, they have like a fire pit and maybe they want to start hanging a chicken to do a little mm. you know, roast chook and spend four hours to roast their chicken mm. instead of putting it 45 minutes in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, but it's, it's a beautiful, the, the point is, it's a beautiful day where people are off devices and focus on fire food. I don't believe you. They're not, man. I've seen how much Instagram you do. Wow. And now you're on the device, man, filming all day. I know, I know. I'm sorry, I took away from a beautiful story. So they're off devices. They're they, out there they're getting off in touch devices. with devices. I mean, they take a few photos and yeah, stuff. Course, but, yeah. like, within six hours, it's very sort of limited. And these people that don't know each other, well, they're all sharing food and all interacting and connecting and, and talking to – and everyone sort of share their own stories Um through the f- uh, to the food they they cook, like some go, loves going camping, of course, and uh, and they want to learn some new tricks and different mm. uh, cooking uh, style to take away with with them for the next like adventures. Mm. Some people, while well, they have like a fire pit on their property, and they just want to lift up a little bit the game, and and so. And that goes from like people in the twenties to people in the sixties. You know, it's mm. really, really wide, and, and it's uh, and it's always like for me, the enjoyment of seeing people just enjoying very basic food. Like we're not cooking truffle, we're not cooking like all sort of like crazy expensive wagyu, or, mm. or we're cooking pumpkin, we're cooking cabbages. You know, we're burning citrus. We um, and but we're creating something with fire that sort of like make the most of every single ingredient that we're using. Um, like yeah. we roast this pumpkin for four hours with the radiant heat in the coals where the pumpkin steam eats in own skin. Mm. And that's, and people tell, like say to me, oh, it's probably the best pumpkin I've ever tasted. That might have been because you got it from me as well. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's what I said. So I've got nothing to do with it. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but we both, we both know that all the flavor, all the nutrients of the vegetable is in the skin. So mm. what happened when you buy a quarter of a pumpkin, like in a shop? Well, first of all, the moisture, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just like not optimal. Buy right? whole pumpkins, kids. Yeah. So what you do, you roast it or you bake it in the oven, you put a foil over the top, mm. okay, to get the moisture back when you're cooking it. Well, here, you're just taking the vegetable and you just use the natural foil. You don't need any foil. Mm. It's just baking its in own skin. So when you open it, it's perfectly cooked. Well, all the aromas of the vegetable stay inside. So you've got a pumpkin that tastes 
it's like a pumpkin on steroid, mm. kind of like you know. Well, it's probably like a tax. pumpkin, and every other pumpkin is not like a pumpkin, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, so, so you exhaust all the flavors of like the vegetable or the meat that you're cooking. So, so being French, how do you add the butter into everything you do? You have to. Well, you have that trailer full of butter. No, no, I, I always have like a <laughs> little my bit. little stash of butter, <laughs> little like, a, and we do like put like you know butter like under the skin of the chicken and butter in the brine when we're brining the, mm. the, the meat like over and over during like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours of cooking. Um, but a bit of butter, but um, basically the fire does it all. Like it just So Terraform was the catering industry and Feast and Over Fire is So Feast Over Fire, yeah, to get back to Feast Over Fire, I'm drifting it. No, drifting no, you're drifting good. No, no, drifting But uh, it was important to talk about this cooking class yeah. because this is how Feast Over Fire sort of like grew out grew out of my um, little brain. Um, and uh, so Feast Over Fire is going to be an a online um, fire masterclass or even like a cooking, cooking school, fire cooking school. Like we've been shooting over 40, 40 to 45 recipes um only produce cooked over fire we run through different methods so hanging uh searing straight in the coals uh grilling cast iron baking so all these recipe or um sort of um based on fire like yeah based yeah. on fire cooking and uh and using all sort of different ingredients. People, when they do barbecue, you know, they've got like this 10 ingredient list. It's always the same, the chicken, sausage, and you grill some corns and this and that. And we go through like a variety of vegetables, seafood, uh, meat, and uh, and all sort of like fun stuff that you can do over fire. and. <clears throat> and turn into like simple recipe that you can replicate with a very simple setup if you're going camping, if you're cooking in your backyard. Um, so I guess it's all about sharing uh, my knowledge and, and pass it on to a wider uh, audience and, and sharing the love of cooking over fire. Wow. What do you eat when you're not eating um, cooked stuff over the fire? Uh, I've got a I've got a partner that cooks very oh, well. Really? Yeah, so uh, but um, all sort of like meat, vegetable. Funny thing is, like people would think that it would eat a lot of meat. Um, I do taste everything, but after a big day of cooking, mm. I just usually come back home and I just feel like eating like I don't know a vegetable fried rice more than anything. Yeah, like, yeah. I just can't see like <laughs> can't do can't eat yeah, or smell after, after like been cooking four or five lambs during the day. Mm. I'm like, whoa, lamb. Yeah. Until next weekend. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so you've got the, the business, like I said, the catering business. You've got the, the the people can come and learn how to cook. You've got the online thing coming. Man, you must have a book coming up for sure, is it? Well, there's going to be an ebook coming okay. uh, in um, in the bundle of the cooking class, a full ebook, and uh, there is going to be a printed book at some stage when I have a bit more time. Mm -hmm. um, but I think coming probably end of 2023. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And we'll have to see if we can come and cook on the rooftop over here in Brazil. Absolutely, if we can the new Set the rooftop on fire. Set the rooftop on fire. <laughs> the new rooftop. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see how we go with that one. Um, yeah, that, that was awesome. Um, 
I really have enjoyed talking to you today. I think that um, you know you've got a great uh, ethos, and um, people can learn lots from you. And I urge that everyone, if they're not already, to follow you on Instagram and uh, check out what you do because it truly is inspiring. And uh, it's a real privilege for us to be able to work with you as well. Oh, thank and, you very um, much. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure, and I know like I can always have your support. And and, and I really like your approach to sourcing produce and you always do like amazing like video and very inspiring and even for me like showing people all sort of like different variety of vegetable and educating people yeah and that's what i really value um having you as a supplier beautiful I want to tell you one thing about this, yeah. this is the mammy sapote guys we're going to do a video over this as well but i'm going to give you some of these yeah and I know you've got that event coming up, uh, the Indigenous event, so you won't be able to use it there. This is a Mammy Sapoti, and um, this thing you can cook over fire, and it just turns into this delicious, bubbly, gooey, delightful thing. And yeah. we should be filming this, but we're too lazy. Oh, this one's just a little bit ripe, but, um, but this so is, is it Mammy Sapoti. Is it No, native? it's a tropical thing. Tropical. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I'd say it's from some rainforest somewhere, but... Um, this one's growing up in North Queensland. And um, I'd like to think that we're in the bush right now, but we're in our crappy little office here. <laughs> and uh, so it tastes different, but yeah, that, that flavor is... Um, what tastes like? Um, pumpkin pie? Sweet pumpkin pie almost. A sweet potato, cooked mm. sweet potato, mm. right? Yeah, but yeah, they put it in smoothies or sort of things, so. And loads of cultural uh, medicines and stuff are made out of seeds. But we're going to stop and eat a few more of these fruits and see what else we can get out of the fire for your uh, for your people. We might be able to do a tropical one. Love to take you to North Queensland, meet Peter Solaris. We're going to cook over the fire up there. He's got some beautiful pigs, and we'll try a tropical one. Let's let's. I'm just. This is unofficial. We haven't actually spoke about this, but I think that that could be something we could do as a bit of a, an event. Um, pigs, um, tropical, tropical fruit, fruit. Mm. dinner. No one steal my idea. Okay, let's I do love that. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to have you on the show. Thank you very much, um, Ram. Yeah. It's been a it's been a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to talk about fire, food, and produce. Beautiful. Thank you for coming. Mm-hmm.